What would it take for John Calipari to win you back over? Well, I pulled you guys, and we're going to talk about what you had to say on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, I polled you guys. I asked you a question. I, I went to Twitter, I went to YouTube, the community page, and I asked you guys, what does John Calipari need to do this season to win you over? What would you help what would help you relax on John Calipari? We're going to talk about the results of those polls here in a second. Also going to talk about SEC football, the times they are a changing. Going to be talking about what could be coming up uh, with SEC football. There's going to be a lot of different changes made over the next couple of years and last offseason we kind of talked about this, well, not we, but just the media in general kind of talked about this at length, and now it's kind of been brought to light again, you know, as it things like this do in an offseason. But the thing is, this is not just offseason speculation. Like, it's actually going to happen. So we're going to talk about it on today's episode, considering it's somewhat relevant right now. And then finally, we've got a question from a viewer that I saw yesterday, uh, and then also we're going to talk about some scheduling, Kentucky, and the Champions Classic, and to talk about what's happening there. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind you guys that we are free and available on all platforms. All right. The question here, what does John Calipari need to do to win you over? Now, I've kind of talked about this a little bit during this offseason already, but I don't believe that I've polled you guys. I mean, I've scrolled over on a couple different message boards and seen what other people had to say. But today, I went to the YouTube community page and I went to Twitter, and I asked you guys this question. What would help you relax on John Calipari this upcoming season? And I gave you four options to choose from in this poll. An Elite Eight appearance, a Final Four appearance, a National Championship appearance, or a National Championship win. Now, you personally watching this may say, well, I don't need him to even go to an Elite Eight to feel comfortable about what he's doing. If you feel that way, leave it in the YouTube comments below, because uh, from what, what I understand... YouTube only allows you to have like four or five different things uh, in your polls and Twitter only allows you to have four. So I was kind of limited and I was just like, well, let's go Elite Eight or beyond. So wanted to ask you guys, what would help you relax? And here are the results. So we got over 100 votes on each uh, each site. And I'm actually really surprised that the, the YouTube community page that people just are actually going and voting. Like last time I did one of these, it got like 350 votes. And I'm sure this is going to continue to collect votes, but it's been 10 hours and I've gotten some response on it. So on YouTube, 12% of you said that an Elite Eight would be just fine. And that would make you feel okay. 40% of you said a Final Four appearance is what you need to feel comfortable about Coach Cal this season. A National Championship appearance, 13% of you thought that a National Championship appearance would be enough. And 29% of you think that a National Championship victory would do it for you this season. So to kind of Recap here on YouTube, 40% of you think that a Final Four appearance is what you need to say, okay, the program's still heading in the right direction, everything's cool. But almost 30% of you said, I need to see a national title. 
I need to see a national title. I just think that's a little interesting. So we go over to Twitter. 19.4% of you said Elite Eight. 55.3% of you said Final Four. 9.7% said Natty Appearance. And 15.5% said a national championship win. So it looks like here that the majority of people are in the Final Four or national championship victory boat. So before we move on, I just want to ask you guys, that the guys you guys that did not have an opportunity to respond to this, I mean, you could still go vote uh, on YouTube at least, I believe. But what do you want to see out of Kentucky this season that would kind of help you calm nerves down a little bit, help you realize like, okay, Calipari's weathering the storm. It was it was a season that was cut off by a really shocking upset. It's gonna be okay. What do you need to get there? I want to hear it in the YouTube comments. If you're listening on podcast format, hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. Something that uh, somebody responded, somebody left a comment on YouTube, thought it was interesting. He said, Coach Calipari's a Hall of Fame coach. One bad season doesn't really define his whole career. And that's kind of been my perspective on not just Kentucky, but also other coaches out there as well. For like, for instance, Duke had a season there just a couple of years ago where they weren't particularly fantastic. North Carolina, I believe, had a season where they were sub-500, like Kentucky, and they rebounded. I mean, shoot, they're in the national championship game like three years later. So, all, all of this to say, I wanted to get you, I wanted to kind of get the pulse of, okay, now that we've entered the offseason, we've kind of had time to kind of settle down on things. Let's be realistic here. What do you want to see? Me, personally... I think an Elite Eight would be okay. And one of you guys commented on Twitter, and this kind of sums up my thought process on that. This was Corey Hurt on Twitter replied to the tweet and said, I don't think it's fair to judge Calipari based off of a random one-game tournament. I'm convinced Cal haters will hate no matter the outcome of the season. Uh, forget about the second half of that, that statement, but point to I, I, I point to what he's saying at the very beginning. And this is something I said after after Kentucky lost in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to continue to harp on this. While you do want to see Kentucky make some moves in the tournament, I want to see that happen. I expect it to see it happen over the next couple of seasons. At some point, you haven't been to a Final Four in forever. You've got to be able to get at least close to that. But it's so, so difficult to win in the NCAA tournament and to win consistently. And that's what I want to hit on here. Winning consistently in the NCAA tournament. Not everybody can do it. In fact, not a lot of people out there do it to the degree that some Kentucky fans apparently want this program to do it. I, I, I just, I, I hope that everybody understands, like, guys, it upsets happen. Random things happen in the NCAA tournament. There's a reason it's called March Madness. And I'm not saying everybody out there listening holds this opinion, so if you feel like I'm attacking you right now and, even, and you don't really feel like this is your opinion, don't feel that way. Don't feel that way. Hold your opinion. That's cool. And even if you do hold this opinion that Kentucky has to win a national championship, they've got to win a natty this season in order for you to feel okay. You know what? You can feel like that. That's fine. I'm just giving you my opinion, giving you my perspective on Coach Calipari and what needs to be done in order to feel like the program is going, trending in the right direction. To go back to what I was talking about with North Carolina, they had that sub-500 season, I believe. I may have to go back and check. I may be off on that. But they, they had a bad season. I think it was the, the year Cole Anthony was there. And 
from my understanding, I'd have to go look at the NCAA tournament history. Like they didn't just immediately up and get back to the NCAA tournament and get to the final four or the elite eight. It took a couple of years, it took like three or four seasons. So I, I just can't sit here and say, we got to get back right now. We got to get back right now. I'm expecting out of this year's squad to see, I guess consistency, consistency is what I want to see on both ends of the floor. I just want to see a complete team put out there, man. And I, I want to see the regular season be the reflection on that. I want people to, to appreciate the regular season a little bit more. Again, because like I said, it's so difficult to win in the NCAA tournament. But I want to see this team improve in the regular season on several things that we've discussed that I think Cal should be criticized about. The play calling, the decision making, the inability to figure out how to on earth to switch a defense to a zone. Like why you won't do that. Uh, it, eh. Anyway, we can get into that another day. But I want to see Kentucky make improvements in the regular season more than I want to see them win a national championship. But again, my, what, what would help me relax is like Kentucky getting to an Elite Eight appearance. Even a Sweet 16, I wouldn't cry about it. I'd be like, you know what, guys? We won a couple games. We make it to the Elite Eight. I, I, I feel like we're perfectly fine there. And somebody else on Twitter said this, and I think it was a great point. Uncle Dubba on Twitter said Elite Eight is exactly that, the sign of an elite basketball team. After that, anyone can lose in a one-game scenario. Just can't choke or fizzle out down the stretch like this past year. We were one of the four or five best teams January and February. Injuries caused us to lose steam. Literally could not put any, it any better myself. That is spot on. That is exactly how I feel about this. If you disagree, again, Leave it in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials at Locked on UK on Twitter. What would help you relax on John Calipari this upcoming season? For me, it's an Elite Eight, but I want to focus on getting better in the regular season and working on some of the things that the fans have criticized Calipari about. All right. Before we get to SEC, fo SEC football and the things that could be coming right down the pipe here in just a couple of years, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now virtually impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders their parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? Well, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket yourself. And you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they've got everything you could need, guys. They've got brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. You can explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and you can write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. It's all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, moving along here on the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Daw here with you. Hey, thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Really appreciate you guys. If you would, watching on YouTube, subscribe. Literally over 75% of the people that watch this channel aren't subscribed. Stick around. It's going to be a fun offseason. But for your next listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, really, really fun stuff. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Locked On Sports Today podcast. Check them out. All right. Like I mentioned early in the show, 
the times, they are a-changing. And the reason I bring that up is because that is what Greg Sankey said when he stepped to the podium during SEC Media Day's last season. I was there in Birmingham whenever he stepped up to the podium and let everybody know that there are going to be a lot of changes coming to the sport and to the SEC here in a couple of years, uh, unknown to everybody sitting in that room just about. Uh, just a couple of days later, a massive news bomb was, was going to drop about Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC in 2025. And that was, it was an interesting SEC media days for me, first one for me, plan on going back this season. Because once that news broke, and I was sitting there on Radio Row, my show was live, we were on ESPN Radio, and, and it was just kind of a shock. Like, is this real? Is this happening? Can we talk about this? And it was just, it was wild for the next, next few weeks. Just disgusting. The things that could potentially happen. One of the things that came of that conversation that I want to discuss today is like, well, if we're bringing in two more teams into the conference, then we've got to talk about scheduling because it can't stay the same way it is right now. Can we move to a nine-game schedule? What does that look like? If we stick with an eight-game schedule, how do we rotate teams out to where they can all play each other? And one of the things that was proposed was the pod system where you have three or four, I don't know, but but let's stick with three, three locked-in opponents every single year, and you rotate out the other, uh, in this case, it would be a nine-game schedule. So you rotate out the other six teams that you play, and you rotate them out every even an odd year. And so people were speculating, like, okay, well, what teams would Georgia play? What teams would Alabama play? Who has to play Vanderbilt as one of their three common opponents every single year? So I wanted to discuss that today because Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated put out an article just uh, just about yeah a day ago talking about the SEC. It's getting a new schedule model. This is, it's it's going to happen. But the question here: Which one of these scheduling models is going to win out? So he goes over them. I just want to talk about it today, and I do specifically want to talk about the um, the 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 model where. Kentucky has to play three specific teams every single year, and I, I want to essentially present it to you guys and ask, would you be okay with playing these three, three teams? But anyway, so there are a couple of different ways that you could do this. Uh, and, and I believe that there were 30 different formats made. And I think that the, the article, I, I believe, says 35. No, 30. Yes, I, it is 30 different formats for a future football scheduling model of a 16-team SEC and the 35 uh, or the 30 f- different formats has been cut to two. An eight-game format where teams play one permanent opponent and seven rotating opponents, so it's a 1-7 model, or a nine-game format where the teams play three permanent, op- permanent opponents and six rotating, the one I was talking about earlier. I want to focus on that one primarily because, uh, me personally, I can't believe the 1-7 made it this far. The, the other 28 must have been horrible ideas because who wants to play one opponent every single year? Think about the rivalries in this conference. Think about the rivalries in this conference. I mean, do you want to take, let's say, let's use Florida, for instance. Florida has two huge rivals in Georgia and Tennessee, okay? Well, you would want to keep the cocktail party. You would want to keep Georgia and Florida, right? But to rotate out Tennessee, you really want to do that on their schedule? To where, where maybe they won't play them in a given year? I, I just don't see that. Alabama and Auburn, you've got them locked in. 
What about Alabama LSU? What about Auburn LSU? What about Auburn Georgia? What about Alabama potentially playing Georgia? I mean, I, I just one seven model does not make a whole lot of sense to me. But anyway, I want to get down here to the potential model that uh, that Kentucky could have here because I think having three permanent opponents makes sense even though I don't really like it. I mean, with the addition of these two teams, Texas and Oklahoma, something's got to give, right? Something's got to give. So just got to go through here. Let's look at first. I want to point out, so Texas entering the the SEC, their three permanent opponents would be Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. And the other six teams that they would have to play in their, their conference schedule would get rotated out. Oklahoma would play Texas, Missouri, and Florida. Why Ross Dellinger thinks Florida, I don't know. I've not I've not looked that far into this article, and quite frankly, I don't think that he gives an explanation. So those what that's what these the three permanent opponents for the two new teams would look like. Kentucky, this is what Ross Dellinger predicts. Kentucky would play Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Georgia. Every single year, that would be their three fixed opponents. Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Georgia. And I think that what he was doing, and I'll just read directly from the article. He said that we guessed on permanent opponents while one, considering the primary and secondary rivalries, two, using geography, and three, creating as much equity as possible. Remember, the top half teams get two from their own and one from the bottom half. Bottom half teams get two from their own and one from the top half. So I'm essentially, I assume that he has split the SEC up and like ranked it and then, you know, tried to be as fair as possible with all the different matchups. Like, for instance, Vanderbilt has to play Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Auburn, and I can guarantee you outside of Tennessee, Ole Miss and Auburn do not want to play uh, the Commodores every single year. I mean, you can look at that and say, free win, woohoo! But, like, who, who wants to play that over a game against, like, Florida or Kentucky? I mean, w- wouldn't that be more fun? Wouldn't that be more competitive? Wouldn't that be good for your TV deals and people actually wanting to come and see that game? I don't know, that's just me. But anyway, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Georgia, so I can get down with playing Georgia every single year. That's cool. That's exciting. Arkansas, I think right now, is an interesting opponent for the for the Wildcats to play every single year. That would be fun. I'm okay with that. And then Mississippi State, look, I'm not complete, I'm not emotionally attached to playing Mississippi State. You could have swapped them out for somebody else. I'm glad it's not Vanderbilt. I would have taken Tennessee here. Would have much rather taken Tennessee or Florida. But all, all things considered, while I do want to see rivalries against Tennessee and Florida preserved, I do like the thought of playing Arkansas as a permanent opponent. I think that's that that would be fun. And then playing Tennessee and Florida, I mean, every other year, or finding a way to, to play them every single year and they just rotate out with other teams. I don't know how, how this would really work. But leave your thoughts in the YouTube comments. Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Georgia, according to Ross Ellinger, would be the three fixed opponents. And if I had to guess, this will be the model that the SEC will go with. Not specifically the teams that are locked into each other. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the the model where you have three permanent opponents. The 3-6, I guess, is what you would call it. All right. Before we move on to a question from a listener and also an update about Kentucky basketball's schedule, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. 
You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even the next season's NFL futures. I know there are a lot of Cincinnati fans out there. I would definitely want to go check that out. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Wednesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl here with you. Got a listener question. I try and stay on top of these. JT Seltzum in the YouTube comments asked, do you think Damian Collins and Oscar Shibway fit well together on the floor? And I responded to him, but also said that I was going to talk about it on the show because, I mean, I've told you guys, if you got a question, ask me. And this is kind of my thought on it, JT. And this is kind of what I said to him. I'm going to need to see more time with them both on the floor this season. And and we're going to, because if, if Collins is instead of the, the third, the like, yeah, the third guy in the rotation at, at power forward, instead of, it, no, how do I phrase this? It's, he's going to be the backup power forward. I am, wow, I'm out of it. He's going to be the backup power forward this season. What I'm saying is last season, he was like the third guy in that rotation. But now that he's going to get more minutes, more opportunities to play, uh, we're going to see more of him and Oscar Shibway likely on the floor, unless they stick him at the five. And that's kind of what I said to JT is like still, like Collins can slide into the five and he works well at the dunker, as does Shibway. So maybe their play style is too similar to throw them out there consistently on offense, specifically at the same time. How does that look? I mean, we got to see it at times last season, but honestly, the times that I can remember were against like Alabama late in the first half or late in half's period when Collins got to get in. And he essentially just got to go to the free throw line. Wasn't really, didn't really have an all, a lot of opportunity to, to shoot the basketball. I mean, he played well in the dunker spot, but like I said, Sheboy plays that role as well. So, like, what would be the clash there uh, whenever those two guys are on the floor offensively? Defensively, I think it would be fine. You get a little bit more length out there, get somebody that can protect the rim. I believe, like, per 40 minutes, uh, Collins would average like three blocks a game or something like that. But I. I think that offensively it might be an issue, but at the same time, like think about it this way, a crazy athletic guy at the four playing with a very strong rebounding five. That sounds nice because if the crazy athletic four doesn't get to the rim, he shoots a, he shoots a, a mid-range shot. I mean, Shibway is probably going to come down with a rebound every now and then. I mean, we saw the same thing with Keon Brooks and probably going to see the same thing with Jacob Toppin. Jacob Toppin's got a lot of bounce as well. Love the athleticism that we have at the four. Really, really like it. Of course, I talked yesterday about like missing out on Matthew Mayer, somebody that could probably stretch out to the three-point line and shoot a little bit. Uh, you want to go check that episode out. I put it out yesterday. Baylor transfer that I'm confused as to why Kentucky didn't reach out to him. And we would have, by this, I saw somebody comment on YouTube. I didn't, I didn't respond to it. It was like, well, how do we know that Cal didn't reach out to him? We don't, but had the program actually reached out to him and said that they, said that they had expressed interest, it would have come up. It would have come up on social media because it's not just it's not Kentucky saying, "Hey, we reached out to him." It's the it's people reaching out to the player himself and saying, "Who's reached out to who? Who has contacted you?" Uh, and so it we would have gotten an answer on that. Uh, we would have been told if Kentucky had reached out to him or not. But yeah, I, I, I can't I can't knock it or praise it talking about Damian Collins and Oscar Shibway until I get to see a little bit more of it. Didn't get to see a whole lot of it last year. I want to see, do we get do we get it in an extended periods, extended minutes this season? I think we will. 
I think we will at different points, but I'm not going to knock it or praise it until I get to really figure out what it's about. All right, the final thing here I wanted to talk about, Kentucky is going to take on Michigan State in the Champions Classic. This article put out by Chris Fisher on 24-7 Sports. They're going to take on uh, the Spartans at uh, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. And uh, for those of you that don't know, that's the site of Kentucky's upset loss to St. Peter's last year. Or this year, I guess. Last season is what I should say. The game was originally scheduled for November 8th, but the event was moved back a week to avoid conflict with Election Day. Duke will face the defending national champion Kansas in the other matchup. Kentucky's 5-6 and six overall in the Champions Classic and 2-1 and one versus Michigan State, who is 4-7 and seven in the Champions, uh, Champions Classic. Duke leads the way with a 7-4 record, and Kansas has a 6-5 record in the annual neutral side event, which has been played every single season since 2011, and it's going to keep going until 2025. These four teams are contracted through the 2025 season. To give you a little bit of insight on the Spartans, they finished 23-13 last year with a loss to Duke in the second round of the NCAA tournament. I was at that game. It was a phenomenal game, probably one of the best games I've ever seen in my life in person. To get to see Paulo Bancaro uh, in person, that dude, is, that dude is massive. You don't really appreciate how big those athletes are and just how impressive what's going on is until you are right there at the court. It is it is absolutely insane. Tom Izzo lost his top three scores in Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham Jr., and Max Christie, but he still returns senior forward Malik Hall, senior guard Tyson Walker, and senior forward Joey Hauser is back. Uh, A.J. Hoggard, a point guard for the Spartans, is back as well. Promising guard in that, A.J. Hoggard. But yeah, I'm excited to see this matchup. I think these are two evenly matched teams. I've not looked at what can, uh, excuse me, Michigan State did on the recruiting trail uh, this season. But I think the most interesting thing I want to note about this article, outside of the fact that I think this could be a really fun game and I may plan on attending it, the, there's a John Calipari quote here at the very end. Says it's it's nine or ten guys in scholarship for us. It might to get it might get to eleven, but I like this roster. That is his quote, and that kind of puts to rest my my concerns about what the roster is going to look like with the scholarships. Me say I've continued to say on the show I would love to see Kentucky get one more guy, and Calipari. I'm glad to hear him say that's still an option, but I still like the guys we got, and, and that's that's fine. That's fine. I'd still like to see Kentucky get one more. And then also the the article points out, you know, look at all the different guys Kentucky's got. C.J. Frederick's actually going to be able to play. Damian Collins is going to get some more minutes. Antonio Reeves transferred in from uh, Illinois State. Probably my favorite player on roster right now, even though he hasn't played a minute. Cason Wallace, Adu Thiero, Chris Livingston. I mean, there's a lot. C.J. Frederick, or excuse me, uh, Chris Livingston. Did I mention? Yeah, I did mention him. But there's a lot of different guys that you've got to be really excited about this season that were not able to play last season or are fresh faces coming into the program. I'm excited about this game. I'm really looking forward to it, and I may just go and attend it in person again in Indianapolis. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hey, thank you so much for making, again, Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. Make your second or third listen after you listen to the Locked on Sports Today podcast. Listen to the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast. They've got a lot of different interesting things to talk about, giving fans an in-depth look to the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. You can follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. 
And you can follow our show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below, or you can hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.